You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about my growler, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. From the kickoff to the shootout, we're amped up, we're ramped up. For a breakaway from a set play, it's a give and go. And yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me today, as always, Kieran Kingmaker Doyle and Harrison Highlander Crow. How are you guys doing? There can only be one. There can only be one. I couldn't remember. I thought you liked your nickname last time, but I couldn't remember what we went with. So. High, high life. High life. Okay. Well, it's just a lot of high blank going to be happening from here on out. Then I think. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Nice. I like high life better. All right, uh, guys. It's been a very uh, eventful day in Major League Soccer. Well, let me start. Let me let me let me slow play this. Let me let me ask you guys a question real quick. Let me just, in your opinion, what is the worst team currently in Major League Soccer, uh, Harrison? Oh man, you're gonna put this on me. Yeah, I, I Portland. Por- Portland. Okay. Austin. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Come on, uh, Kieran. Uh, help me out here. What is the worst team in Major League Soccer? You know where I'm going with this segue. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Club de Foot Montreal because they are at the foot of the table. They are at the foot of the table. Oh, the the that table. was a good one. That was really good. Very nice. Well done. Uh, yeah, the Montreal team. Not not the impact. They're not called that anymore. Now they're called. Anyway, let's just say that they're the worst you- in Major League Soccer. I think there's a very credible case to make that they are. Would it surprise you? Gentlemen, if I told you that today that club traded away their best player and also their biggest asset for a couple, you know, some upside, but pretty mid guys currently, would that, would that surprise you? No. Uh, if I, I just traded, yes. Sold, no. Traded, what, what if I told you? Then not only did they trade their best player, biggest asset, for a couple of kind of mid guys, but also they threw in one point three million dollars in allocation money. Would that be surprising news to you? I mean, Joel Waterman's pretty good, but I oh mean, oh my gosh, Harrison, you are just not playing. You're not playing this game with me at all. Never mind. No. <laughs> so like, let, let, let's let, okay. I'm, let me take the foot off the gas and and stop trolling you. All right. Yes, that's it's appalling, right? Like, why would you make that trade? Why would you make that move uh, outside of the fact that there's forces at hand that are somewhat incentivizing you to kind of part ways. Right, so, like yeah. If if you happen to not know what we're talking about, like if you get your major league soccer news from this show, like once every couple of weeks, okay. But second of all, uh, 
you know, uh, the, today the Montreal Impact, uh, we got his treated. Uh, Kamal Miller, Canadian international center back, uh, very good player. Um, to the Miami uh, team, Miami. <laughs> uh, Inter Miami, I always forget which weird soccer name they have. Inter Miami uh, for Bryce Duke, um, Lassiter, and um, they also parted, uh, along with Kamal Miller, $1.3 million. Uh, can somebody explain this trade to me in any way that makes sense? Um, have you guys ever played like NHL career mode in like the mid two thousands where when you were like adding stuff to the trade screen, it was unclear what side of the screen you were supposed to add the assets to. Sure. That's what happened with Montreal in the game. That's all I got. (laughs) And you're like, Miami are sending the money to Montreal. And then it's Bryce Duke and Ariel Lasseter. You're like, okay, like, that seems about fair value for Kamal Miller. I can, yeah. you know, I'd probably keep him, maybe sell him to Europe for more money. Okay, but I get it. Like, yeah. Bryce Duke's good. You need midfield help. But the money comes the other way. Like, it actually doesn't even, it doesn't, it's like Don Garber should veto the trade. Like yeah, the Chris it, it's trade. the point where somebody put like a, that was my assumption for about an hour today. Was just, someone just got that wrong. Like, you know, Tommy Boggs, you know, he's usually very good on the scoops. And, and I was like, but he's, he's just, he's got the thing wrong. If the money is going the other way, it does almost kind of make sense, you know? And like, there's this idea, I think, that you can have where you say, you know, you don't see it a lot in soccer, actually, that much, um, you know, but in other American sports, particularly capped leagues, you know, you have these like very like win now kind of trade moves at the deadline or whatever, where you go like, all right, let's just going to, we're going to move a big asset for some um, whatever reason, and we're just gonna just we're tearing it down. Our team is bad. We're gonna we're gonna pick up some prospects and you know rebuild or whatever. And that makes sense. Like, and if Montreal was doing that, I'd understand. You know, I don't know that it's what I would do, given that they could probably just sell them for a couple million dollars someplace. But but it makes sense. But the money going the other way, it's just like there's no way to add this up. Yeah, it's it's a little bit strange. And admittedly, like I'm a I'm a Ariel Lasseter fan. Like I, I like what he brings. I think that he's he has the ability to be creative uh, and get into the final third and, and set uh, opportunities up. Uh, he's not a goal scorer, and I know that that's what everybody's you know pointing towards that Montreal really needs is a is a goal scorer of some kind. I think that he's going to help manufacture uh, some goal scoring uh, just by being above average and being able to help them progress the ball positively, which has been a huge issue for them. Uh, same with Bryce Duke. I think that he'll be a, a value add in that midfield that just does not have a healthy pair of legs, but it, it doesn't make sense. Like it, it doesn't at all. Like they have a couple of really good center backs on that team, but Kamal Miller has, has definitely grown and is definitely a, a huge value piece in this league. And despite the fact that his contract's up at the end of the year, like he, you still had some negotiating leverage and yet you just shipped it down the water and paid somebody else to take care of your prop, your, your money problem. Like it's like, Hey, I have $4 million in this briefcase can't, here's a million dollars. Can you find somebody to have a good they, they can take this? That's that that feels this, like what they kind of did. This is literally this is literally what this is. So even if you put aside, okay, Duke is like a good player and a useful player. Um and and uh Lasseter like gives them depth they don't have, whatever. They are so thin in midfield and so thin in attack, which is <clears throat> a bigger squad building problem, but fine. 
both of those guys were acquired by Miami for like a combined $250,000 game in the past 12 months. Yeah. So you basically paid, let's subtract the acquisition costs of those guys. You basically paid $1.1 million to give Kamal Miller to Miami. So you paid him them $1.1 million to make three to $5 million to sell him in the next three windows or to agree a new contract and pay him more. So this is like this is the lingering thing behind this is Montreal didn't want to pay him, which one I don't really get because he's very good. And two, if you don't want to pay him, you have the summer window to sell him, you have the winter window to sell him because he has a 2024 option. So even if you don't want to pay him, you can just bring him back on the same number. Um, and then you have another summer window to sell him because teams aren't gonna agree pre pre contracts for him to join in January. So you have three oh. windows. That's I had forgotten that they had, there's a team oriented uh, team option that changes that changes it uh, immensely. But I mean, he's still 25. It's, we're not talking about a guy that's you know 29 going on 30. We're talking about a guy that's like in his just entering his prime. What if he says like What if he walks up to you and he goes, you know, Mister Impact, you know, President of the Montreal Impact, President and Founder, um, you know, I am not. I want a DP deal, uh, you know, when my contract expires. And if you're not going to give me that, not only am I not going to reassign with you, but I'm going to run out my contract and leave on a free in two years. Like you can hold me for two years or whatever. Like I, that's my goal at that point. Like, does it make sense somewhat then? No. No. Cause like surely he would just, you could just sell him and like, He'll leave. But if he says, I'm not going, I'm only leaving on a free. I want that big payday. Like if he's just pulling the ultimate, like selfish, I don't care. I'll, I'll sit on the bench if that's what it takes. But then you're I mean, like, you're paying, just, you're paying a million dollars to, to lose him on a free anyways. <laughs> like, yeah. Right? I mean, it okay. It doesn't make sense. Like I'm trying here. <laughs> no, no, like, I, I think <laughs> so because, to me, we, we talked about this. We talked about this beforehand, but like, I'm so desperate to know how this negotiation went. Yeah. Like did Miami, cause like there's been some reporting like, Oh, Phil Neville really likes Kamal Miller. So like maybe Miami were like, Hey, like Kamal's got a year left. Maybe he's not signing a new deal. Like how interested in moving him are you? And if that's the case, like I can see the conversation being like just these two. But if Montreal reached out and we're like, Hey, we're looking at moving Kamal. What, can, what do you think? If this is like, there are 25 teams in MLS who would give you a better deal than this. Yeah. Yeah. Not, then, right, not, right now there's 20. How many teams in MLS do we have now? 29? Well, 30? Not only that, but like how much did they pay Orlando to get him? Right. Uh, 400K, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they ended up in the net negative acquiring a guy that's a now a national team player who it's not, is it's not even there's no there's no incentives there's no like it's 1.3 million flat guaranteed no risk there's no sell-on fee like that we've seen there before. is a sell-on fee but we don't know what the number is I mean, unless that number is like a hundred percent. That's what Doyle, yeah. That's what he said <laughs> earlier in chat. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It, it, unless, like, okay, so. I, unless they're I'll, just going to do the work for you on that. I don't, I, I I'll don't put, get I'll it. Put my, I'll put my like super corrupt brain to work here. I have long proposed that teams, when they want to sell a player, should 
in, because we know that if there is a sell-on clause, both teams can redeem the money they make from the sell-on clause towards their expenses for that player and redeemable as allocation money. So teams should trade with a sell-on, let the next team do the sale, and then recoup double the gam, essentially, and let the other team act as a middleman and collect a couple hundred gam so- as a fee. I think you're onto something here. I, I really, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go into this beforehand, but I, we're here now, so let's do it. You have to believe that even though Montreal has the ties to Bologna and and the Syria, that Miami is going to be able to command a much higher fee for for Miller than uh, Do, than Montreal, is, right? Is that a is that a given? They just sold Georgie for nine million, Kone for ten million, and. Alistair Johnson for five million. That's that's fair. That's fair. Like I just think I just, yeah. like Saputo, buy yourself a new boat. Like if you sell him, it's okay. We get it. I was shocked that he even survived preseason. I thought for sure he would go in the winter window because I yeah, thought he had a very yeah, yeah. good World Cup. I thought so too, yeah. <laughs> I just I just don't I, I just don't get it. And now all I can think of is like every other team in the league should be calling Montreal, being like, we'll give you Io Akinola, and you and you can give us Aaron Herrera and a million, only one million, just for your special price today only. <laughs> you guys, it's <laughs> uh, they they just they're, the like Occam's Razor simplest idea is just like that. There's something going on we don't know. Like. The simplest explanation is that, there, that we can't possibly know the explanation for this. I think or, is the simple, or is Occam's Razor that Montreal is just run by crazy people and they just messed up? Like they just hit that trade button wrong or something. So you know, it's, you know it's really funny? There are Miami fans who are mad about this. They're like, I can't, I, I can't believe we got rid of Bryce Duke. I saw Duke. that, dude. Oh, God. Bryce Duke. Like, okay. How good is Bryce Duke? Am I am I missing something? No, like no, he's good. He's okay. good. He's twenty two. Uh, like, uh, no, uh, no, no, no. Okay, hold, hold. He's a good squad player who like has room okay. to grow in a bigger role. Like okay. I think again, if the money was flipped, you'd be like, oh, okay, you get a good young squad player who has room to grow. You get a slightly worse than league average attacker. And or probably about a league average attacker who adds depth, and you get a bunch of money to do whatever you want with it. And you're like, okay, you can squint at it and say it's fine. Like the Duke part of this is like the least problematic part of the whole deal. That's the only part that sort of makes sense to me. Yeah, okay. But he's not, he's not like, I'm seeing people like, well, this values Bryce Duke at $2.2 million. And I'm like, I know, I, I don't know if that's how that works. That makes him like more valuable than like Paul Ariola. Like I don't think so. And like you're because you're not like even if you need guys in that position, like this isn't taking Montreal from where they're at and making them like competitive again. Like this I, isn't the no, sort of thing. Ter- that, they're still terrible. They're still going to be still, last. They're arguably worse. And because like I I can't I can't I can't get my head around it. I well, first, it. first of all, first of all, I can't believe they're going to still play with five at the back, right? Like we can agree. So center, with center back, they is, have to go go to a two, a two back now. So center back is the spot they're deepest at. Like they could make it work. Like they still have. 
You say Juan, that, but Aaron Herrera has been playing at, at center back. Yeah, which is like an interesting role because like sometimes he pops into midfield, but like they still have like the Icelandic guy who has like I don't know what I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like a line and then like a D attached to the line, but it's not a D. So I think it's <laughs> I think it's Thorkelson, but I don't know. They've still got ZBG who like could play right center back. They've still got Waterman. They've still got Camacho. They've still got Corbo. Like, um, like, like they, they have this new Greek guy, Iliades or whatever. Like they have players who can play there and they'll probably still play that way because that's what Losada does. The crazy man. But like, they're just, it does make them worse. A lot worse. I think. I agree I mean, like, with that. Yeah. You're, you're, you're giving up like 15 goals a game. I think I haven't done the math, but I think it's like 15 goals a game. And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like trading your best defender just seems like a weird move there, just for some like attacking. Like, I don't know. Okay, let me th- let me throw a hypothetical at you guys. Throw it, throw it to me. Eric Williamson was on the trade block this summer, and it yeah. didn't and it didn't get done because the number was too big, right? It's too big. Yep. Does one point three million and Kamal get Eric Williamson done for Portland? They add center back mm, like their center back plays yes. pretty weak. Yes, yeah, I think that would probably absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, okay, so let's put that one aside. We're like, that's a deal. I look at, it and I'm like, okay, I can understand that if you're Montreal. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I do it, but I, it, sure, it no, I would. Test. Okay, here's another one. Chicho Arango, yeah. LFC wanted to move in league to get allocation instead of a sale. Sure, one point three million and Kamal Miller. Yes, oh yeah, no. absolutely. Well, you know, I, th- I think I th- really, you know who could uh, use Chicho Arango. <laughs> everyone, every single team in the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every MLS team. Just about every team, yeah. Certainly Montreal. But, so if if you're if you're LAFC, I would still burn you alive for mate for pulling that trigger. But from Montreal's perspective, that's like a swindle of a deal. So like, gam accounting is particularly nebulous. But from the sales this summer, like Montreal probably have effectively unlimited gam. So like, maybe it's not one point three million. Maybe it's two point five million. Gam and Miller, but like if the if the package is Miller and money, like why wouldn't you do that for Arango, who was like maybe the best striker in the league last year, over a twenty two year old project midfielder and the twenty eight year old who has scored eight goals in his career. Stop saying that. Okay, look, you guys keep under you. Everybody <laughs> on Twitter, everybody's like he's not great. He's not. I'm not saying he's yeah, but, like the best winger, like, but he's an above average. He's an but he's an above average winger for his like in MLS right now that can't get on the field because they don't have a spot for him. Montreal at least picked up somebody who's going to be a. I don't want to say difference maker. I think that's a huge huge term, but he's going to be a player for them. He's going to help facilitate goals. Yeah, but Mon- Montreal, in Montreal, Montreal don't play with wingers either, though. No, but I mean, he started out in Houston as a forward, right? I think he could play. Does he, he could does, play. Does he he, worse? he, has he could play. He, right. I I, again, yeah. I think his talents uh, relate to bringing the ball up and being uh, a facilitator of sorts. I think he could slide in and either be that uh, quasi eight ten player um, that they they kind of need right now. With uh, isn't like Piet like gone for a while? Isn't yeah, it like he's, he's injured? Yeah, and so and, they, and it was supposed to be Matko Milievich would have filled that role, but he had surgery yeah, for a while. Yeah, so. 
Yeah, trust me, I know all about that one. The uh, anywho, the yeah, and I mean, regardless, like it's so, um, it's just so it, it it's the kind of deal where you just kind of think, is someone doing something wrong? Like it, like. Is there something like untoward happening here? Is there a crime it, happening? I think yeah. I said that earlier. Is there yeah. like crime happening? Like, is this a crime thing? Like, are we, are we watching money somehow? Is there like some other dodgy deal that it's, we're going to see like in six months? It's freaking yeah, like, yes, Lionel Messi. That's the dodgy deal. We will see it. You, you just think like Don called him up and was like, we got, Leo's not coming unless they get Kamal Miller. Like, you're moving him and you're sending money so they can buy Boost Cats or whatever. Oh my God. Boy, if that happens, I'm going to be. Oh my brilliant. God. It's so good. All right, I think we've analyzed this deal. I, it's can as I, much as it can, can I say one last thing? Analyzed. Yeah, absolutely. Harrison, how good does Ariel Lassiter have to be for this Ooh. trade to be positive value for you? Let's say, let's say that Miller would have left at the end of the season. He would have like okay. thrown such a fit. He would have gone to court for arbitration for sport and said options yeah. are illegal. I'm leaving. Yeah, one season left of Kamal Miller, or you pay 1.3 million for the next four years of Bryce Duke, let's say, and the next three years of Ariel Lasseter. How good does Ariel Lasseter have to be for you to come away and be like, oh, that trade was actually even? He has to maybe not take the place, but he has to come damn near what Jordy was doing before he left. I like, I just, I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. For, for, but for three I mean, years, no, it's not, no, it's not, but I, I'm not saying he's going to, I'm saying yeah. that's where he would have to be for three years, for three years for this to, to even out. He's not going to be. And that's, but that's okay. That's okay. But that's Harrison. Can you imagine all both of us? Can we, can we imagine your, your recruitment person comes into the office. <laughs> Boss, I, got, I got a great trade for you. All we need is this guy who has only ever been productive in USL to be Georgie Mihailovic for three years. And then like that scene, and then, it's that scene from Moneyball. And they're just going like, we can't replace him. Like, we, we gotta like. <laughs> he, he walks, sir. He walks. We can replace him in the aggregate, except we, we couldn't also afford him if we could or whatever. Like, we gotta just get three dudes to do what he did. Yeah, except you also have to send out Jason Giambi or whatever to get these <laughs> aggregate players. <laughs> so you're giving away our best. Okay. Of course, now what's going to happen is that, like, you know, Bryce Duke is going to put up, like, 12 and 10 for the rest of the season. And, like, Lassiter is going to become a thing. And we're all going to look foolish in, like, the end I of the I think Lassiter is a thing. So you guys can go do whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think he's fine. Uh, I will put my bet in now that Montreal win the wooden spoon. It seems like that's where they're heading. I think there's a lot of soccer left to to start talking about who gets the wooden spoon. That being said, said, yes, they they are definitely in the top five. The amount of injuries they've had, let's, okay, jokes aside, right? They've been terrible. But jokes aside, they have a decent, they have a decent squad when everybody's healthy. The problem is, is that three of their best players have arguably their three best players. One, Kamal Miller has been absolutely angry and been mentally just out of it, refusing basically to play. Um, then you have, uh, who's a, who's the uh, center midfielder that they brought in that was supposed to replace uh, Mahalovic? Uh, Milievich. Yeah, Milievich. Thank you. Do you think and his name being that close is why they thought it would be a thing? 
He's a, he's good. He is legit good. He like yeah, was no, very decent last year, but and Piet's injured uh, again. They're they're unlucky, but they're all these players are going to be out, and it's not going to matter. Uh, but they did beat the Union, so who knows? I mean, there you go. You know, um, I you make your yeah, own luck. You make your <laughs> yeah. You do make your own luck. Let's ask uh, ask Austin how that's going. Um, all right. Well, look, I you know bad trade. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. Weird trade. Uh, we, weird trade. Weird trade, certainly. Uh, maybe we'll find out some more information in a couple of days, and it'll be like, oh, okay, you know, or whatever. I don't know, but I doubt it. I think it's just kind of strange. But we got to move on because we have two teams to cover today uh, that we drew last week. We have the New York Red Bulls, and we have Toronto Football Club. Um, let's start with the New York Red Bulls. And um, unfortunately, uh it's kind of hard to talk about the New York Red Bulls right now without probably what was the biggest news story uh, until today of the week. And that is that it seems like the New York Red Bulls will no longer have the services of their DP Ford big signing this offseason, uh, Dante Van Zare, um, for horrifying reasons. Um, uh, you know, in the match against San Jose you know, he, I guess I don't even have to say allegedly because I think he admitted to it, um, you know, said a, a racist slur um, towards Ibibise. And uh, it was uh, it was a big thing. Um, you know, they had to stop the match for like 20 minutes to kind of sort it out. And he has, I think the last that we have right now, he's left the club, um, stepped away from the club is the, the phrasing, I think, that, that Red Bull used. Um to prevent distraction. Um, yeah, I don't know what happens to him going forward, but that, you know, before we get into like what the on-field, you know, ramifications of that are, I think that this is terrible. I, I, I hate that this keeps happening and it keeps happening. It's not just a thing that happens in Europe. That's where we see it a lot, but it's happening a lot more and more in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, there's been a story probably every year of something like this happening. And I think there's a real opportunity here for major league soccer to, I don't know what their ability is as like the league, what, what kind of um, like legal power they have to do something like that, but to say like absolutely zero tolerance for that. Absolutely not. We're not going to do that. Uh, um, and that may be in the process. Like it, it, it's unfortunate. Like we don't have all the details. I'm sure that there are a lot of, like union issues and, and legal issues that they kind of have to sort through before anything official gets dated. Um, but you would expect, you would hope that if Red Bull is not going to do the right thing here, that, you know, the league would step in. Kieran, I, I actually have a question for you Shoot. In, in, in this, and it's a little bit difficult. So, uh, you know, however you want to, you phrase it, but like, when you're out there and you're scouting for talent, you you kind of have a better idea of what this looks like than I do. Um, how far back are you going down into somebody's background? Like, obviously, it's really hard to like, oh, is this guy racist? Like, that's not like necessarily a checkbox that's, you know, easy to de- determine. But how, how much are people going into uh, into this and and really finding out about, you know, somebody's background propensity for how they treat their teammates. Because I mean, this, for someone to say this in the heat of, 
you know, being new in the league, uh, new to the team, it, it seems like this would be, uh, and the fact that as Ian kind of talked about, it's something that has happened a few times now with internationals coming from abroad, coming into the league and not just saying it's an international problem. It's definitely yeah, certainly not, more, yeah. certainly not. But in that context, when you're, when you're recruiting a player new to your team, um, is that something that you're, uh, is that some, is there some way to start, you know, maybe not weeding players out, but, you know, identifying some, some issues beforehand and helping them uh, educate themselves before coming to uh, coming into our league. Yeah. So I, like we, we talked about this a little bit um, with the article that you linked. I can't remember the, the publication. So if you, if you remember, say, I don't either. Um, but like MLS clearly has to do more maybe in terms of, I, see, like I don't, I don't want to say preparation because yeah, I don't. Like, either, it I don't either. require preparation to not be a racist. Yeah, right. Like, this exactly, is not- exactly. Exactly. But then, how do you? But then, how do you like you bring people onto your team? Oh yeah. By so, the way, this has been an issue. We want to make sure that we're we're clear that this is inappropriate behavior. So purely from like a recruitment standpoint. In my experience from talking to people, like you see this actually quite often in the draft where like clubs will do social media deep dives on players and be like, yeah, this guy tweeted the N word or tweeted homophobic slurs or whatever in 2011. And you have to make the judgment call of like, was this a stupid 16 year old kid or was this like malicious or like a pattern or a, a real thing? like to worry about. Um, and I think clubs kind of take that case by case. I'm sure there are some clubs who see it and they're like, we're just not going to touch it with a 40 foot pole. We don't want to worry about this at all. You know, like you've seen guys like that have this history come into this league before, like, like um, what's his name? Another uh, guy from Kata- uh, Yellow Van Dam. Oh yes. And Katai oh, as well. Guy. Yeah. Katai is who I was thinking of. Um, you know, that's a good point. Like LA just cut him. Like that was it. And that wasn't even him. He didn't even do it on the field. It was his wife. Yeah. Um, you know, like, so like that, yeah, that's the standard like right there. I mean, like we've seen that. That's yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I think. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I was just like saying like, I don't, I mean, I think that it's probably not a huge, like, I mean, I, you know, I think if it's obvious, if there's like a big pattern of it, but I think that, you know, we've seen time and time again, like teams just kind of excuse past behavior if the player's good, right? Like, that's not an unusual thing. Yeah, I, I think, I think one of the interesting things that we have as a luxury in MLS that other leagues don't is that the outlay in terms of wages, in terms of transfer fees from these clubs is very low compared to their actual wealth. Mm-hmm. So, like, if a, a League One team spent five million pounds on Dante Manzier and this happens, like, it is quite difficult to be like, hey, you just spent your whole year's revenue on one player. Like, yeah, cut, cut him. Red Bull are a multi-billion dollar organization. Dante Vanzier's transfer fee is a rounding error. Yeah. Uh, I do not think it is... If you made me guess, I would be surprised if he played for Red Bull again. Yeah. 
at this point. The counterpoint that I will say is that comparatively, the punishment for incidents like this in the past in MLS has not been that harsh. Yeah. Um, but I think when, like, Tim Weah posted on his Instagram a photo of the incident and said, get him out of the league, and Tim Weah is either cousins or best friends, I can't remember which, with Kyle Duncan, who is one of Van Zier's teammates, and mm-hmm. Coronel is going over to the manager, which we can talk about the manager as well, because... Jeez. He should be gone. I, I do not think he can say and try. And I will say, and I will be like perfectly transparent. I was like, I don't know what Struber did wrong. And then you see afterwards, they're like, no, he admitted on the field that he said whatever he said. And it's like, well, I just don't understand how you can keep this guy. Um, so to me, like when, when all this is going on, I just look at it and I say, hey, let somebody else figure out how they want to rehabilitate him or, or navigate this, like, zero tolerance. Goodbye. Yep. It's one thing it, It's one thing for the players and, and to try to figure that out. Like, I understand it's not a simple process with the league union and all that other stuff that's, that's happening, and especially being that he just came in and he just signed a new contract with the team. I know it's – we want to paint it as it being really simple. Um, obviously, there's absolutely th- – this isn't about – whether or not they should allow him back on the team. This is more of how do you, how, how do you work within the, the structure of the league to um, <laughs> return him, <laughs> right? That's, that's what this is. It's not about keeping him. That coach is in a completely different situation. They can fire him and they should fire him. Like I, I'm, I am shocked that nothing's been said about him right now. And the fact that they're going to laugh, if they let him coach another game by the end of the uh, end of the week, it's, yeah, uh, I'm. I'm disappointed. I'm really disappointed. I, yeah, I, there's got to be some sort of clause in these contracts that says, you know, something like this. You, yeah, you know, like this, the, is, this isn't going to be a financial hardship to fire you. <laughs> like you need to go. And again, like Karen said, for Red Bull, nothing is a financial fireship. Yes. Um, not to not to be not to be flippant for a segue, but like, should we talk about? the soccer from here, because I think there are legitimate questions about Struber just from the soccer side that I think do make a decision yeah. like this much easier. Yeah. That like this shouldn't even be. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about New York Bulls soccer. Um, they, I think attack. that the New York Rebels were supposed to be one of the better teams in the league this year. I think there were a lot of people that had them picked for, uh, somewhere towards the top of the East and, uh, you know, certainly a playoff team. They're not there right now. It's not gone super well. Um, and really you hadn't even seen like Fanzier, like, you know, he was just kind of starting to kind of be into the fold and, and coming in. Like they were kind of slow with introducing him, I think. Um, what I can <laughs> Okay, so accepting obviously that that you know obvious condemnation of, of of the of the incident, you know, moving to the soccer side of it, what does New York do here? Like, do they have the pieces to kind of ride this, or is this going to be like a huge um, a huge bump for them? So it's kind of weird. So I think like so far, basically the whole Struber reign, and especially this season. Like, there is nothing in attack. 
Like there is very, very little to show. Um, they have a, a solid expected goal difference. I think they're like plus two, something like that. But it's all on the defensive side where they have like the third or fourth best. Um, yeah. Actually conceded. Vanzier has put up like legitimate numbers. Like I think it's 0.85 XG plus XA. He has solid G plus. I don't think that's going to be a solution for you moving forward. Um, but on the flip side, like Elias Manuel has looked quite good. Interestingly, actually, um, I like redid um, the usage stuff from like, I guess, two or three years ago now um, for something somebody else is working on. And I just checked in to see where they were. And both Van Zier and Manuel in their minutes were top 10, like above 25% usage, which is like hmm. higher than even Pozuelo was in his MVP season, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so small, small sample, but like, yeah, I would expect it to come down, but still that's like crazy high. So I don't know. Like, I just don't see, and like Lukinas, who's like, again, another star DP, like is actively not good. Like not even like no inefficient. He's like extremely negative G plus. He is XGXA is like half of what it was in Europe. And it's like a quarter of an expected goal shot or created a game which is like really not good I just like look and I'm like no all the attack is bad yeah but I mean you say that is it that the attack is bad and their talent is just not there to the MLS standard and the MLS average or is it tactics because I kind of tend to believe that it's tactics Lewis Morgan struggling this year you know uh, Corey Burke has struggled oh my god his numbers cratered just, yeah, yeah. Uh, so both of these guys are guys that we know can uh, can can produce on the MLS level. I I think that it's an issue with how they're being set up and how they're being deployed. And I I I've yet to see anything that absolutely stands out that tells me he's a difference maker as far as a coach. Which honestly uh, is <laughs> few and far between. To be perfectly uh, honest, when it comes to uh, to a coach in MLS, Do- Doyle was tweeting about it this week, but. Um because he was looking at St. Louis stuff. But the decision after firing Armis was between the now St. Louis coach, Bradley Carnell, and Struber, who was at Barnsley at the time. And, like, Struber's only real achievement as a coach when they hired him was he had a Wolfsburger team in Austria that were in Europa League, but, like, were just – they were, like, fine. Like, they weren't better or worse. And then he saved Barnsley from relegation. But the like big asterisk that happens is Wigan took a 12-point deduction that put them down and kept Barnsley up. Otherwise, they would have just gone down. And so now Carnell, who's like was the respected assistant, whatever, blah, 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 leaves. Fine. But now you look back and you're like, oh, brother. Yeah, that, that starts to look like a very different <laughs> situation for sure. And, you know, it, when I think of Red Bull, like, in my mind, like, I always think about, like, this is, that's a good team. Like, they were good for a long time, and they were, like, good in a very fun, interesting way, and they did it on a shoestring budget, and they had, like, this kind of style that was a little bit novel, Um you know, at the time, I think. And has that just, has that run its course? Is that like just no longer a thing? I'm going to say no. Like, I think, again, like I, I can, I can dunk on Struber for a while. Like they've played four different shapes in six matches. They've made a formation change at halftime in four of those. Like 
there's lots of things we can talk about, but there's also like all these, not, I don't want to say mitigating factors, but things that you can look at and be like, ah, uh, okay, maybe this is fine. Like, again, the defense is super legit. Like we have seen mm-hmm. every year forever that if you are a legitimately really good defensive team, like you can build from there. Coronel is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. That's a platform to build from. They've been quite unlucky with injuries. Both Tolkien and Morgan have missed a bunch of time who are both like very solid, high caliber MLS starters. Mm-hmm. They have one of the best analytics departments in the league, shout out Sam Goldberg, who like from a recruitment standpoint, they're finding players from weird places. Um, have they hit on every trade? Like, do I love the Frankie Amaya trade when I look back at it? No. Do I think they probably overpaid for Lewis Morgan? Maybe. But like, they still have a track record and they still have like enough of a platform that even if they're like, all right, well, back to the drawing board, Van Zier's done, Struber's gone. Like they still have the whole Red Bull network behind them that I'm not actually that worried. And like, even as much as we're like, this is terrible. They're like plus two expected goal difference, which is like probably plus top 10 in the league. Yeah. I, I like they're, like they're not terrible. Like this isn't a disaster team. It's just it's not good, and it hasn't been good for a couple of years now. Um, you know, like they think they last got their supporter shield in like 2018. Um, <clears throat> you know, and then it. it, it hold on, let me just. Yeah, 2018, and then 12th, 13th, 14th, and now they're like probably like 12th. I think they're like 11th in the East or something. Um, you know. It, and like you said, like how like this is a, a Red Bull team. Like they can only get, they should only be so bad. Like they have so much like infrastructure, like that most clubs in Major League Soccer would just you know kill for uh, to have that sort of backing. Um, and so yeah, I, I think like this is probably a great opportunity to just with Struber, like just is like he's we have a really good reason to fire him for non-soccer reasons. You already had legitimate reasons to fire him for soccer reasons. Uh I would just be shocked. Like I they might do it, but like I would just be shocked if you if you coach this team again. It, it's funny because there was a lot of buzz at the end of last season with how last season ended on whether or not he would return this year. And so I it's not even about this year and where things are at. It's how things have continued under his oversight and over his watch. Um, yes, they made big, they, they made some investments into uh, players to help his style of play. But I mean, it's, it's not going, it's not going great. It's going okay. Um, they're getting some uh, results. Uh, I don't think I'm nearly, um, I don't think uh, I'm as, bottomed out as you guys are. I don't think they're a top team in the East, but I think they'll definitely be a playoff team at this stage. Um, I, I, picked, I, I, I picked them to win the East this year, I think, in my preseason. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm that high, but I don't think I'm that low on them either. I, I, yeah. definitely, I definitely have corrected since my, like, that's, but that's where I was, was that I thought. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we all take, we all take, I mean, yeah, hello, you're talking to the king of swings that were, that were yeah. I, I was just lamenting about Ariel Lasseter, right? Like, so I'm not bemoaning you at, at, all. <laughs> <laughs> at all for your take on, on the Red Bulls. I think yeah, that I, was not, that was not a unique take either. Like, yeah, no, no, no. Far. And uh, I will say they have played a cupcake schedule so far. 
Orlando, Nashville, Minnesota, the crew, Charlotte, Atlanta, San Jose. Yeah. Like, I mean, not, but a lot of away games in there. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Like, there's a couple of there's, there's, Yeah, that would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, looking at the G plus numbers, like, Vendor was by far their most productive player. Yeah. By a, a long shot. Um, so, it's not going to be like painless. And even though they really were just kind of starting to get them in to the fold more frequently, like I, I don't know. I, this just, this is an opportunity I think for Red Bulls as an organization and to, to, to just do the right thing. And I don't, I don't know if you want to like, and I feel like most New York Red Bull fans I see or that I've spoken with too, you know, uh, they, they don't, they, they're not concerned about the competitive thing right now. Like they don't want this to be like a stain on them. And they've had some kind of ugly incidents, you know, over the past couple of years. And I, this is a, yeah, I don't know. Lead by example here. You know, it, it's a terrible thing that happened and, and do the right thing. I guess this would be my, my final Red Bull take. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a fair take. I think that's, that's fair for, for where we're leaving off is they have a, they have a real opportunity that, uh, that they can really safely take this. There, there's been situations where I think a lot of clubs to do the right thing, it's going to cripple them. It's going to hurt them. I think at this stage they can do the right thing and in some ways get better. Um, you know, getting rid of Struber. Uh, yeah. Okay. Van Zier is going to sing a little bit but that's i mean from an ethical perspective that's an easy that's an easy decision like that's a no-brainer at this stage yeah uh struber you probably get better uh cycling to a new coach you made the wrong decision a few years ago now you have to correct that and you know you have to move forward um yeah i don't know uh i i feel like there's been clubs that have had you know significant issues and challenges and trying to do the right thing and it's a little bit hard, but in this case, I think they're incentivized to make the right decision. So I, I don't I know. know. I, I know a, a Red Bull style coach that's pretty good available right now. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. What are you? Which which coach would be available? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did. I, I actually, it took me a really long time. I was like, why would they rehire Chris Armas for? <laughs> <laughs> Chris Armas, man, they need to get him on the sidelines with the one of your bud in the ear. Can, just looking completely bewildered. Can I say a positive thing before we move on from the Red Bulls? Yeah, absolutely. I would just like to say that it is somewhat heartening that Iba Bise said this happened and everybody believed him. Yeah, there was no... Like, I did not see one person on Twitter. I did not see one... And nobody was like well, you can't even believe that he said anything. Like everybody was like, yeah. okay, he said it happened. It happened. Yeah. So that I think is positive to see. Yeah. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. That's a plus uh, that we're at a, it, you know, there's so many occasions that we do see people that instantly go to, well, why would you say that? Or they get oddly like, yeah, defensive. defensive. Yeah, it's it's really weird. No, that's a really good positive. That's a good positive take that I hadn't considered. So thank you for at least pointing that out. All right. Let's go to our second team um, today. And we don't have a ton of time to talk about them. But, you know, that's fine. They don't need just going to Karen. Karen, can I ask you a question? Yes. What? What's, what's Toronto's plan? Like, what's going on, man? What are we doing here? 
We're, so, like, this team has swung up and down a lot. I think preseason mm-hmm. expectations were very lofty at the Italians <coughs> and all the trades and Servania and Rostad and Hedges and Sean and John and Richie LeRae. Like, I think the expectations were maybe a little bit too high. And so far, the wins haven't really come. And, like, the DC United loss in the opening game of the season is a backbreaker. But this team is, like, probably good. Um, which is like a, still probably good, but but in like a boring way. Um, yeah. I think everybody was expecting them to be like this high-powered offense. You've got Insigne and Bernardeschi, and they're going to score so many goals. But they're not really like that. Like their their center backs are good at defending. They have a good shot stopping goalkeeper. They play basically three defensive midfielders in Cervania, Bradley, and Mark Anthony K. Osorio's played as a winger while Insigne's been injured, which is like. An underrated thing that, like, Insigne was TFC's best attacker last year by G+, by XG, by XA, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect him to be the same. Even in the, like, 20 minutes he played against DC United, he had, like, 0.4 XG and 0.1 XA or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, we'll see what this team can actually do when he's back. They're exceptionally thin. Like they're like Bradley makes one or two subs every game, because really the only subs he's got are like Victor Vasquez and like he subs DeAndre Kerr and Iowa Canola back and forth. Like that's kind of it. Maybe a fullback, and it's just like there's not there's not a lot there beyond the first team. And I'm very worried for when League's Cup gets started and like. Right now it's okay because it's like they just play Saturday. It's like Saturday, train, 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 play Saturday. But at some point it's going to be Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, and you play five times in 20 days. And, like, I don't know if the old guys can handle that. But in the meantime, the starting group is, like, quite strong. Defensively, they are – teams are getting very, very little against them. Uh, And we got two very weird games. In our two week period, like we got a game that had three Olympicos and two of them were disallowed. Uh, so yeah, just lots. Of, it's weird. They're fine. They're good. I think it's interesting that um, you know uh, Insigne was the like the headline acquisition. You know, um, some people you know went as far as to say like this is you know the biggest signing in league history. You know, because we got this superstar in his prime but it's, it's actually the the other guy Bernadeschi that's been the guy that's been more kind of bringing in I know Insigne has been injured a lot which <clears throat> was I don't know I wouldn't say it was predictable but it was just such an obvious pitfall when you put that much resources into one player <laughs> it, it, it was predictable though like he's turning 31 he has a horrible history of muscle injuries like yeah. if there was one thing you were going to look at and be like Oh, this isn't going to work. It's like by 33, he's going to have a permanent groin tear and you're never going to see him again. Yeah. Um, so it's good probably that they didn't give him $15 million a year. For five um, years, maybe? Yeah, it, that was just... I think, I mean, even, you know, whatever sort of like competitive jealousy, you know, people might have towards Toronto being able to swing something like that. Like that just... There's no way that wasn't going to come back. <laughs> like you can't take that big of a swing and, and not expect to. Like I don't know. It. The thing I like about Toronto is like these kind of um, 
they've always had like I, I've always enjoyed their like kind of no, I wouldn't say fringe guys because they're obviously important guys like Osorio, um, like Laria, like like these more like these not big big star guys, you know, without that. But they put together like a nice little supporting cast around these big names, and I think that's the only reason they're they're kind of staying, you know, afloat at all at this point. Um, but like I don't know, does Toronto need to come up with like a different idea? Like, is this like MLS Galactico thing just not not a thing? I mean. It's kind of weird. Like, it, it's quite surprising to me that TFC have stayed with the big acquisition thing for this long. And I think at, at the same time, I think we just. I mean, it worked great the first time. Yeah, but like, this is the thing we have to be mindful of is like Bradley. Like, so if we look at the history of Toronto designated players, it's like a bunch of random guys who weren't very good. And then you have Defoe, who was terrific but left. Mm-hmm. And then you have Giovinco, Bradley, Altador, who are all overwhelming successes that like you can't really argue with at all. Mm-hmm. And then you have Pozuelo, who was the MVP of the league and was like very yeah. good. Extraordinary. Player. And then yeah. Insigne, Bernardeschi, and Carlos Salcedo. So it's like out of their last eight designated players, like Salcedo hasn't worked. Like that's the only one, probably. Yeah. So and I don't like I think Bernardeschi is like he is endearing himself to the people in Toronto by very much leaning into the culture. And it's very fun and very cool. I think the play on field can improve, but he's been good. He's been like useful. And also by not, not being injured most of the yes, time. And, and being available to play. Like, I think, <laughs> and like when they lose, like he's, he actually is like mad. Like he gave a feisty press conference saying like, no, this is ridiculous. Why are we playing like this? We have good players. Why is Sean Johnson kicking the ball away? Um, so I think, like, yes, the Galacticos thing is crazy, and, like, they have spent a ton in weight. They've been the highest payroll team for, like, 10 years in a row or eight years in a row. Um, if you look at, like, the 10 highest payrolls ever, seven of them are TFC or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think there is legitimate pressure. Like, I do not think Bill Manning is – I do not think his seat is particularly cold, is how I would yeah. phrase it. Uh, but – We'll see. I, I they, they've tried to be creative with some, but I do think I agree with your the point you said before about they have hit huge, huge on secondary roster guys. Delgado, Justin Morrow, mm. Oso is like a kid from Brampton that they did so well with. Um, yeah, I, I think they need to hit on a few more of those because God knows they need the numbers in the squad. I want to so, ask you about. Two, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, with that being the case, what's it feels like there's opportunity there with a few different players, uh, uh, Marshall Ruddy, uh, Akinola. Um, what what's kind of going on with this team that they seem maybe not apt to give those players the opportunities that that they that at least on, on from from a hype train perspective, it seems like they're. They're not ready, but they need more time. Does that make sense? There's some, there's some in between there that that they need some seasoning. Well, this this was one of my biggest gripes with the Armas era. Era, wow, what a horrible phrase. Um, <laughs> it was like that team was like trying to be competitive, and then they lost like 13 games in a row, and they were still playing like Nick DeLeon and Auro mm-hmm. and like guys mm-hmm. who weren't coming back. Um, instead of playing like Jaquil Marshall already was 16, but like should have been playing. Noble Akello should have yeah. been playing. Um, and they didn't. 
And then I think Bob Bradley comes in last year. They play the kids the whole first half of the season. And I think some of them saw terrific growth, like Luca Petrasso, very useful player. Jack yeah. Raffelberg, very useful player. Um, Marshall Reddy was okay. DeAndre Kerr has been super useful. Uh, Kobe Franklin has been good at fullback this year. And I think like, um, I think like those, that's all real. But I think at the same time, TFC are like so tightly capped that like there's a world where Luca Petrasso and Schaffelberg, like Schaffelberg is a sub winger for this team. And Luca Petrasso is the backup left back for this team. But 400,000 in allocation money was more useful to the squad and 700,000 for Schaffelberg across the loan and the transfer this year was more useful to the squad. And so I think this is like, this is what happens when you cap yourself out is eventually you have to like ditch productive young players because nobody is trading for Diomande or like, okay, yes, you could get off Jimenez for Cervania, but you have to eat half of Jimenez's cap hit to do it. Right, I kind of completely forgot Diamande even was a thing. Yeah, he's injured. So, hamstring thing going on. Shocked. Yeah. Um, yeah. With that, and Ian, keep your keep your question in mind. I, I don't mean to to steal. No, 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 no. Go, 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 go for it. Um. So, where are we with the fact that this team is so capped out and the, the problems with the? Where is this team analytically right now? Because, you know, Devin Poehler did take a higher job. Are they, 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 they've kind of traded in a front, their front office. They, they've kind of, uh, it feels like there's been a change in ethos. And it feels like those people providing information, those people that are involved in this team, you know, five years ago, six years ago, they were, they were building this roster. Uh, from really from top to bottom in really clever ways, it feels like that's maybe not a thing anymore. Um, I I want to tread carefully here. Yeah, I I, I don't mean to. I don't um, want to. I don't want you to out anything. I don't. That you don't feel if, comfortable. With. I don't know if TSC's recruitment has ever been that analytically driven. I think it has been there as a check and balance more so in the past than it is now. It's probably um, fair. So like De- Devin, Devin still works for MLSE and he still does some stuff at TFC. Um, I think they have tried to hire someone. I don't think that person has come in yet. Um, there is someone still working there um, who actually used to be a very good player, which is interesting. Um, but also like their their main recruitment guy works for Austin now. Right. And Bez, Bez Bichenko, who was like the top recruitment GM, works for Columbus now. Mm-hmm. And then you have... You replace him with Ali Curtis, who was like the tire fire of all tire fires at TFC and like just brought in guys he worked with before, like Kamar Lawrence. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, and now Bob, and now Bob is the GM. So it's just guys he played with before. Like two guys came on trial from the Egyptian League this year. Um, so. It's and and I we've talked about this at ASA forever. Like it's not possible to be a good GM and be a good head coach at the same time. We talked about it with Greg Vanny. It is not possible. The jobs are too demanding. Yeah. So in terms of moving forward, I don't know. It's the hope for the best on the recruitment standpoint. I thought their recruitment this summer was quite good. I don't really like Petretta, but I think Rostad is very good. I think Hedges and, and Sean Johnson were 
not really missable. Mm-hmm. Diomande, we'll see how much he makes. He's a free signing, but I, th- I thought the Sylvania trade was really smart. So uh, I don't know in terms of how do they get out of here from the cap standpoint, you get another 2 million in allocation money next year. How do you figure it out? Marshall Ruddy is probably going to get sold at some point and bring you a bunch more money. So we'll see. The one guy I want to ask you about um, is Akinola. Um, what's what, what, what do you think the future is like for him? I remember we all kind of lost our minds during MLS's back tournament, and he just went on a tear, and uh, he looked like you know he looked like the next big thing. Uh, you know, what, where, where's confidence in him at this point? He's still not getting a ton of minutes. Yeah, DeAndre Kerr kind of has that role um, right now, at least the hot seat. Kerr is nice. His underlying numbers are so bizarre to look at. He's like a, he looks like a winger, but he gets striker shots and does nothing else except for defend. So he's like very weird player. Um, but he's nice. And like they, they, he was one who like left the university, but was still in homegrown rights for them. So like very smart little pickup. Unfortunately, Jason Russell Rowe was also one of the, those players. And now he's just at Columbus, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Io, the the Io's, best Vashiko maybe? <laughs> yeah, Io's in a weird place. He had the serious injury uh, and missed a full year, basically. Mm-hmm. And he came back in very rough physical shape. Yeah. Like, was not... And, like, Io's a, a big boy. Like, he's very strong. He is carrying a decent amount. He's very much like Josie in terms of his build. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was really hard for him coming back. And, like, he's starting – like, you're seeing some of the shot production come back this year. You're seeing to see – you're starting to see more of the movement in behind. He got called into Canada camp for the first time in a while. Again, these injuries are super serious. It takes a long time to come back. Like, maybe maybe he will get back. At the same yeah. time, he makes $600,000 and – Luckily, he's U twenty two, so it only counts for two hundred. But like, if I was calling Montreal to try and fleece them, he might be the first name I was looking to move. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. I, I would expect that he will get moved at some point. I, I would be very surprised if he stuck around. He makes too much money for the production that he gives. All right. All right. Well, uh, I think that's all the, the the time we have for that. Let's. Uh, you got trivia questions for us, Karen? I do. I also have two facts because we talked about this. I made a big notes list. Okay. We talked about this last week. MVPs. There are. Um, there are only two. Mike McGee. Yeah, there's only two MVPs who missed the playoffs. Mike McGee is one of them. The other one is D Row. Nice. Um, okay. But the year Mike McGee missed the playoffs, he was 10 points for winning the Supporter Shield. It was like a super compact year. Um, oh, and then weird. Okay. Every MVP ever, bar Mukhtar, Giovinco, McGee, and Dero, has finished top two in their conference. Okay. So team does matter for the most part. People. Yeah. So some Makes sense. research. Alrighty. So we know the rules. Uh, six uh, trivia questions. As they were three are TFC, three are Red Bulls. Uh, I can't remember who won last week. It might have been a draw. I think Harrison. I think Harrison was the first winner. Or got Harrison, his first, his first dub. What question would you like? Give me number three, please. Okay. Multiple choice for you. When naming the team, 
Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment put out a public poll for fans to help choose the name of Toronto FC. Which of the following names was not on the poll? (laughs) So fake name you're looking for. Toronto Azzurri. Toronto Northmen. Inter-Toronto FC. And the Toronto Reds. Which of those names was not a suggestion on the poll? I feel like the Toronto Reds is kind of the 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 gimme. Like you want to say that it's not because you know the Sounders weren't. But I'm going to go with the Northsmen. That is incorrect. Ian, would you like to steal yeah. from the remaining three names? Yeah, they, I'm going to say that uh, Toronto Azuri was not a real one. That is correct. Yeah, that would be insane. I like, see, I know they love their Italian I heritage. I think Toronto Azuri but, was a CSL team who played in yeah. Toronto. See, and that's what I was I was going to say. I feel like there was already a team called the Toronto Azuri, so I thought that the, I felt like that was like, mm, okay. <laughs> okay. And Inter uh, Toronto Northmen, though, imagine. That's crazy that Inter, they were going to go with Inter Toronto FC, and just Miami came and took it instead. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's give me question number five. Number five. Jordan Morris is the most recent player to take a crack at this player's record of five goals in a single game when he grabbed four earlier this season. Name the MLS legend who put five past the Dallas Burn in a 6-4 MLS After Dark special for the Metro Stars. We are combining Metro Stars and Red Bull history for these purposes. In August of 2000. Uh, for the Metro Stars? Yeah, Metro Stars player scored five goals in a game. It is still the MLS record for goals in a game. Still hmm. the MLS record for goals. Is it, uh, it's, what's his face, Mathis? It is indeed Clint Mathis. Go on. Ooh, yeah. Nice. 3-0 yeah. to the fighting Ian Lamberson. Let's go. Uh, Harrison, you are up and you are in the hole. Uh, give me number question number four, please. Number four. Uh, the Red Bull slash Metro Stars were the first MLS team to actually sign a player for the inaugural season in 1996, signing this U.S. international and eventual MLS head coach. Name the player. And I will say, this is a very boring first ever signing for the league. That's your hint. Mike Pecky? No, that is incorrect. Can you go three for three yet? Uh, was it? Uh, oh, yeah. It's um, it's Tab Ramos, right? It is indeed Tab Ramos. Oh, you are yeah. flying today. Yeah, for reals. Someone good, old their, tab. good old Tab. Someone ate their Wheaties. I was around for those, like, that first MLS year. I kind of remember all those, like, there's three big player allocations. Like they had like what? Uh, Dona Donate and Mayola and Ramos. Uh, See, I almost thought it was uh, Tony Mayola. Yeah, Tony, Tony Mayola was like in the Yeah, until you said head coach, I would have said Mayola. Yes, that's, that's, that's where I was going. Uh, and yeah. the head coach threw me through a loop. So, And I was like, did he head coach in Major League Soccer? Or the Houston <laughs> no, no, he did not. Well, Todd Ramos did, yeah. All righty. Uh, we have one, two, and six left. Oh, is it me? It is me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, give me two. Uh, okay. Toronto FC were slow to get off the mark, taking until their fifth MLS match to score their first ever goal 
which took place in the 24th minute of a 3-1 victory over the Chicago Fire. If you remember, the fans threw their commemorative seat cushions onto the pitch, and it took like 15 minutes to get them off. Uh, I think I still have that seat cushion at my mom's house. Nice. Uh, name the scorer. His name is still sung in the 24th minute today. I have legitimately no idea. I could not even name a player on that team. Uh, <laughs> There's not very many memorable ones. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm struggling to just pull like a Toronto guy from then. Like uh, that first year. I mean, I, I got yeah. I've got nothing. All right, Harrison. I got nothing. Do you want to steal? No, you know what? This is usually my jam is the long forgotten uh, MLS players in that era. But no, I don't have, uh, I'll, I'll just take a stab. Tostin Frings. It's a good guess. But no, it was Danny Dicchio. Damn. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Can't believe I didn't have that one yeah. in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? If you, That's if a good you question, would, though. That's a really good one. Yeah. If you would have had that, I would have been I would have been so angry. Like I would have just I would have ended this podcast. <laughs> we would have Yeah. I could not even name a player from that team. Who else was on that team, Karen? Oh, I, I well, I know some, but because they're in another question, so I won't say them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Harrison, you are up one and six are left. Let's let's go with uh let's go with number six. Okay. The Red Bulls currently own the longest consecutive playoff appearance streak in all of MLS, more than double the team with the third longest streak. Um, how many years have they made it in a row? This is our over-under question. I will say this is guessable, so it's up to you if you want to guess the number or you want to let Ian set the line. At the way he's going, I might not even let him set the line because this is he's on fire today. Uh. Yeah. So I guess the over under, or uh, I'm sorry. You, you can choose to guess the exact answer, or you can let Ian set the line for you and then so the, the, let Ian set the line for me. Okay. Can you read it again? Consecutive years, the Red Bulls have made the playoffs. That's it. Their current streak, which is the longest in the league. 13. I can't. I can't. Talk. <laughs> he hit thirteen. The answer yeah, was thirteen. Yeah. I was. I was going to know that because the other team that had that going it was, was the Sounder. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wasn't sure. Like I was waiting. I, wa- I wanted you to say twelve so I could say the over because I was like twelve or thirteen. And <laughs> that's I was a, just that's a risky sure. game. I did not even yeah, think about the Sounders connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are flying today. Well, there I hope nobody's listening in the car with their kids. My apologies if you are. <laughs> Simon, if you could just, just uh, yeah, just bleep that out, Simon. Uh, um, alrighty. The last question, number one, uh, Ian, you are up for a, a clean sheet. I think is on the cards. Wow. Um, this I think is quite difficult. So I went back and I looked at every single trade between TFC and the Red Bulls. Oh wow! There are five of them. Okay, that I can find you. There's one that I would certifiably call a blockbuster that featured both a Canadian and an American international, so two separate players. In the five trades total, a bunch of players are traded. Name any player that has been traded between the two clubs. Between the New York Red Bulls and Toronto Football Club. Oh, boy. Great question. (sighs) 
Um, boy, that is going to bother me. This is stealable, Harrison. I think you can redeem yourself if he gets it wrong. I don't know. You said there are massive ones. I don't know any big ones. There, is a, there is a certifiably massive trade, I would say. Blockbuster. Blockbuster trade. I will say I did not remember this trade happening until I read it. So, But it is a blockbuster when you read the players. I don't know. Were New York like in on those... like? <sighs> I'm gonna have to okay, what here. about Justin Morrow? Was he ever on the Red Bulls? That, he was that not on the Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. Okay. I believe he was on as a free agent. From San Jose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Harrison, right. go yeah. for the final. No, I, I don't got I don't have anything. You I can have name zero. someone who played for one of these teams. Oh, they played for some uh, played for one of And think Canadian or American international. So like American that should narrow down. How uh, you think? Like Josie Altador is one, uh, but I, he, he didn't he did come in either one. Yeah, he, wasn't he did play for both, but there was no trade. Um, Will Johnson, uh, but he only played for TFC. Um, That's a throwback name. Holy, you're welcome. Yeah, you're oh, welcome wow. for that one. Uh, man, I, I just I I don't I I don't got anything, man. I don't got anything. All right. We have, were they ever in on like the? Were they ever in on like the the the? What's that guy's name that was traded a bunch? Uh, my my thought process. Laba? Which, were they ever involved in that lava deal? Were they did Nazi Laba, but Red Bull were not involved in that. They weren't one of the teams. Okay. See, I'm I still stuck on the Jesse on the Jesse Marsh and the Felipe Martins uh, deal, but that came from Montreal, and that's and that's yeah. uh, right now. That's that is hardcore in my brain. So, so, so the the four play, the four Chad Barrett. Uh, no. First of all, how dare you? No. <laughs> so just the, trying to guess players. Trying to think so of the trades, the trades that had right, players in them. Uh, Bobby Convey was traded from. Okay. UC yeah, there you go. The Red Bull. Uh, Kevin Goldthwaite, I believe, was in the Bobby Convey trade. Of course, big, Kevin Gold, Kevin Goldthwaite. The, yeah. I'm okay, sorry. Relax. <laughs> the, the, big trade, the big trade is that Dwayne De Rosario no. was traded okay. for Todd Drennan, Tony Chani, who has one U.S. cap in a friendly against Iceland. Okay. And Danny what was that De Rosario trade? I don't remember. I, the, I, didn't remember I don't remember that, that trade at all. At yeah. all. And Caleb Patterson Sewell, who only played for Red Bulls 2, was traded. His rights were traded to TFC, and he only played for TFC 2. Uh, Dave Rosario was traded to Toronto FC in return for Julius James and allocation money. I don't. There's also also a. Yeah. Yeah. There. I just compl- I didn't even know he played for a Red Bull. Like, I, I, just- didn't, I, I didn't either. I had no idea that he ever was a Red Bull player. I had no no that that wasn't even on my radar. Yeah, he played that was not season, even close. 2011, he played 13 games. Huh. He was traded yeah for for Julius James. Who how yeah. did he end up on the Red Bulls? Is he traded to the Red Bulls? Uh, he went from hey, Toronto yes. to the Red Bulls. Yeah. 
No, he oh, went he he from the Red Bulls. He went from Toronto to the Red Bulls. No, other way. Red Bulls to. Okay, Toronto. okay. All right, yeah, no, I got I, I got it right in front of me here because there are two. Hold on, he went Red Bulls to Toronto. Toronto back to Red Bulls. I have yeah. He went to Missio. Okay, I have earthquakes, Dynamo, Toronto, New York, DC, Toronto. Yeah, so he he. That um, makes sense. Okay. So he was traded to Toronto for Julius James and allocation money. Played three seasons and then was traded back to the Red Bulls for Tony Johnny, Danley Berman, and a first round pick. And then DC United traded Dax McCarty for him three months later. Makes sense. Yeah. To DC United and then DC United he, after DC United he went back to Toronto for yes, one, one for one last time. And now his son plays for two C two. There you go. Full circle. Great player that's Wendy Rosario. Indeed. All right, that's our show. Oh, do you want to spin the wheel, spin fandom? The wheel. Every time I forget to spin the wheel, I feel right. I feel like we should take Montreal off because we talked about them for so long. <laughs> it, it, it's almost it's almost worth it. All right. We did we are three part. Yeah, if Montreal comes up, let's let's check on them later in the year. If it comes up, we're gonna just take a pass on them. We got. We are staying in Canada with the Vancouver Whitecaps. Ooh, oh, fun. that's a good okay. that's a good one. That's and, a good one. It's gonna be a fun team to talk about. And they're good this year. Fun they are. Yeah. Brian White, man. Brian White. Kill the the players New York would probably like to have right now. And <laughs> Charlotte. Ooh. Less good. Yeah. Less okay. good, but still interesting to discuss. Somewhat interesting, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening to our uh, podcast. I want to uh, thank Harrison, who you can find on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow, and Kieran, who you can find on Twitter at Kier, K-I-E-R Doyle. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. Uh, please follow American Soccer Analysis on Twitter. That's analysis at analysis fault, excuse me. Uh, and visit the website, www.americansocceranalysis.com. We got the G plus tables. We got the XG tables. We got uh, articles come up this week. Uh, I know Maddie did a good one. Um, yeah. And uh, Elliot did a good one too, I believe, on, on free kicks. If you want to check that out, you're going to want to, uh, you know, Sounds smart at your uh, workplace water cooler talking about, you know, deep soccer stats. People love and, that. And not only that, real fast, if I may, uh, this is our 10-year anniversary. Is it our 10-year? Wow. How time flies. Yeah. How time so flies. Just, just throwing that out. I didn't realize yeah. that till, uh, till I, someone tweeted it out. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy yeah. reading your, your OG piece. I had never gone back that far. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, you know, if you do want to talk to me, Kieran or Harrison, um, while you're at work or, uh, you know, on the discord, uh, you know, sign up for our Patreon. There's a, uh, just one level there. It's $5 a month. Uh, really goes a long way towards supporting us, uh, as an organization, our server costs keep going up, which is good because it means more and more people are interested in data, but it's bad because we don't make money in any way, shape or form. So, uh, if you want to support us a little bit, that's a great way to do it. Plus you can get on the discord, uh, chat with us, chat with a bunch of other cool soccer people that we've met through there. Um, yeah. And you know, you get some kind of behind the scenes insight to the show a little bit too. We kind of talk about things we'll talk about and you get to play trivia along at home. Uh, so that's always fun too. So uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, we will see you next time. And until then, enjoy the soccer. <laughs>